And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We've got a great couple hours here with Lainey Dolphin as we talk about dreams. She founded the Dream Interpretation Center back in 1997 and has been teaching dream analysis to counseling students at Concordia University in Montreal since 2005. Her interest in dreams stems from her early experience in Freudian analysis, where dream work was the primary tool. She later studied at the Gestalt Counseling and Training Center in Montreal, the Elderian Principles of Dream Analysis at the Alfred Elder Institute, and has been a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams since 1997. Dolphin's goal is to introduce you to the value of understanding your dreams with a view towards long-term change. And as I mentioned, she's got a couple books out. Have a great dream, book one and book two. Lainey, welcome back. How have you been? I've been good. George Nury. happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. How are things in Canada? Uh, cold. I didn't want to say that, but that's what's happening. It, it, has it started to snow yet? Uh, yes, it has started to snow a little bit, and it's got that certain bite, that familiar bite in the air that says, go to Florida. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with a little white Christmas, though, right, Lenny? That's true. You can't argue about that. How did you get involved in dream interpretation? I had a crisis when I was... 21, which is exactly 50 years ago, because I'm 71 now. Good for you. And uh, during that crisis, I went into Freudian psychoanalysis with a brilliant New York uh, psychoanalyst. And in, when I, in my early 20s, I wasn't so well able to articulate my feelings, but I'm a dreamer. I've always had dreams that I remember, and I used to go to the sessions with the shrink, always arriving with a dream. And so it was, it was that I experienced Freud before I studied him. <laughs> and he was brilliant when it came to dream analysis, no question about that. So that started me on the road. And as you mentioned earlier, I went on to study Gestalt Adler, Jung, and I'm a member of that very eclectic organization called the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And so there's people that are looking at dreams from many different angles, and there are many different angles going on in our dreams. But just to set the stage properly, I am much more an expert in the language of metaphor than I am a dream analyst because the unconscious is speaking that language, the language of metaphor. And every single dream is an interior conversation. It's a problem-solving conversation that takes place every night between your conscious and your unconscious mind. And the amazing news is that whatever it is that's bugging you, the solution appears in the dream before you get it consciously. So if only you could understand what the heck you were trying to say to yourself when you had that crazy dream, you would be able to propel your problem solving. And that, that's the reason why I developed my method, and that is basically what I've been doing for the last 50 years, is teaching 
my method. Now, when you say your method, what does that mean? There are six basic points of entry that I use when I hear a person's dream. And I want to just say there's not one of the points of entry that's better than another. You want to listen to the dream and choose something that you are attracted to out of the following six points of entry. The feelings, like how did you feel in the dream? And then you want to do that dance where you come outside the dream and see what is happening in your waking life that's making you feel in a similar way to the way you felt in the dream. And the next one is the action. How is the dreamer moving in the dream? Is the dreamer observing or are they participating in the action? And if they are, what are they doing? And does it fit? Does the action fit what's going on in the dream? The third one is the symbols. Symbols are people, places, and things. And the reason why you can never look up a symbol in one of those silly dream dictionaries is because you need to speak to the dreamer. Because from the moment we are born, every single memory and association that you've ever had since you're born is recorded there in your incredibly sophisticated, unconscious mind. I call it a filing cabinet. When I'm speaking to younger people, I call Mm -hmm. it a database. But all your memories and associations that truly only belong to you, because they're like your fingerprint. And the database opens up when you want to say something to yourself, and you choose from this Um, you know, incredible source of memories and associations when you want to say something to yourself. And then there is the repetition, because we not only repeat ourselves in a dream that happens over a period of years, but we actually are also repeating ourselves inside the same dream. We'll say the same thing to ourselves several times so because your unconscious wants you to get it so if you don't get it on the first go around don't worry because there'll be a repeat in some other way in the same dream and there's two more left they are the puns and play on words which we use constantly in our dreams the same as we do in our waking life and finally the plot which is the same thing that We learned in school, what is the story behind the story? So, for example, I'll go right into the plot. I know a woman who was dreaming about a spider, and her daughter killed the spider. And she was so thankful that she didn't have to worry about it, except a few minutes later she looked and saw, actually, that spider wasn't dead. And so, again... She tried to kill the spider, but there was no success. Every time it looked like it was dead, it come alive again. And that dream was reflecting the situation that she had with her husband that she thought was dead and gone. She thought the issue was over. They discussed it. She was satisfied with the conclusion, but a couple of weeks later, that thing resurfaced again because 
actually her husband wasn't not he wasn't finished with the argument and so the dream encouraged her to bring the subject up with her husband because that was the plot it was something that she thought was dead and gone that was actually still alive and kicking Lainey, you mentioned that the dreams come between subconscious and the conscious mind, but does that come within the brain or outside of the brain? Oh, it's inside the brain, but I am not a technician. I'm a dream analyst, and that, and that is what I do. I teach people how to uncover what's the situation that you were discussing with yourself when you had that dream, and the way that I find that out, because this is the opposite of a psychic experience, where you tell me the dream and I tell you what it means. What I do doesn't work like that because it's psychological approach. You tell me a dream, and I use those six points of entry to formulate questions to ask you, and you tell me What's the subject you were discussing with yourself? And by the way, the reason why it's fairly easy for a dreamer to name the subject that's bugging them is because every dream at the first level, without going deep, at the first level, every dream is triggered by something that either happened to you yesterday or something that you thought about yesterday, and it's typically something that's bugging you. And so that's all we're looking for. Once you tell me what's the subject that you were talking to yourself about, then it becomes easier because then you look back in the dream and I have eight different ways that I can teach you what a solution looks like when it comes in the form of a metaphor. Now, these six points of entry, Lainey, that you just went through, are they necessary for every dream or just one or two? They just seem to be apparent in every single dream that I've heard anyway over the last 50 years. There's something that always fits. Like, for example, here's a woman who saw a, a young child, six years old, who has a loose tooth, and she wants to help him out. So she reaches forward and pulls out one tooth, except right behind it, all the other teeth come out. Oh, and she feels just horrible because here she was trying to do something small to help. And this, you know, this like horrible thing happened. And that dream, and I, I want you to listen to the reflections because for me, it's, it's, um, shocks me and pleases me just as much today as it did 50 years ago. This, the reflection, the situation this dream was reflecting was the fact that the dreamer's mother was very sick and she was in the hospital. There were no visitors allowed except for her. And so when she would get home at night, totally exhausted, all her mom's friends were calling her. And really, to be honest, all she wanted to do was give a little bit of information. So there you have the teeth. She wanted to, like, give out one tooth worth of information. But then 
each friend would say, oh, but what about this, and what about this? And before you knew it, she was finding herself on the phone for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes with each friend after returning home from the hospital every night. And it was just becoming too much for her. And the dream about her pulling out one tooth to be nice and it turning out to be all is what I call a how-to dream. How to know when you've said enough and that you have to go relax. You know, that's the lesson for the dreamer is to try and stay more in touch with when she's had enough to be able to say, I'm so sorry, but I'm just plain exhausted. So I'm just going to give you a little information about my mom and we'll speak again tomorrow. You see what I mean? Yeah. Why don't we remember our dreams all the time, Lainey? Well, there's a memory trace that is not working at the same capacity in your brain when you're sleeping as when you're awake. And so there's a physiological reason why you don't remember. And another reason, and more like the most important or relevant reason, is that if our dream doesn't make sense to us, we have a tendency to push it aside. And so the memory is not going to stay there that long you would want to be interested because it's all about intention. That's the biggest factor of remembering versus not remembering is your intention. If you decide, especially after this discussion tonight, if you decide that you want to remember a dream and you leave paper and pen beside the bed, uh, you'll, you'll get, you're going to get something. Right. <laughs> and it might take a day or two. And you don't need a big, long story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. I I analyze one-picture dreams all the time in my uh, column at Oprah um, called Dreamcatcher or my column at Psychology Today called Understanding Dreams. In these uh, magazine articles, I love using a one-picture dream because it's really... Um, shocking how much information, as you saw with the spider dream, that's like a one-picture dream, and that dreamer was able to get enough information to go and reapproach her husband to bring the subject up again. We have lucid dreams, precognitive dreams, special dreams. What determines those? Well, a lucid dream is when you become... Um, Aware. You become conscious inside the dream, and you realize that you are dreaming. And so you are also problem-solving in a lucid dream. And I am like Stephen LaBerge, who's like the master of lucid dreaming. Even Stephen LaBerge says that the goal is the problem-solving aspect of dreams. And for, and he, like me, also, I agree that that woman who understood the spider dream or the woman who understood the dream where she's pulling a tooth out and all the teeth come out, once you know what your dream is about and you understand the problem, you are lucid. <laughs> So you're, you're, you can be lucid in the day and know what's going on in your life. Like how about a feelings point of entry 
And this uh, dream, uh, I, ca I call this dream, it's another how-to dream, how to be alone. And this woman who's getting on in her years, um, and how can I even say that being 71? But the point is, she was wanting, spending a lot of time with friends. And so, it, busyness, she was busy. But really, inside, she would rather be painting. She wants to paint. She wants to read. She wants to exercise. She wants to be doing things that have to do with being alone. So what does she dream? She dreams that she's in New York City, the busiest place that she could think of. And so that she, that's an expression of herself being so busy, but her car gets lost. And so first she can't find her car at the beginning of the dream. And then she gets lost. So she's not only lost her car, but she gets lost. And her getting lost was actually turned out to be the solution in the dream. Because when you're lost, you're alone. <laughs> and well, she wanted so to true. be alone. So she was giving herself what I call a rehearsal by getting lost in the dream the dreamer gives herself the experience of being alone and i'm very big on expressions and i love the expression take that feeling and run with it and i i use it also when somebody tells me a horny dream you want to take the feeling and run with it because your unconscious is is calling you to whatever it is. In this case, she wanted to be alone, so her her clever unconscious got her lost in the dream. Later on, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk more about dreams on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to our Thanksgiving night program. George Norrie with you, Lainey Dolphin with us. Uh, she has a, a full website, uh, Instagram, Twitter X, and Facebook accounts that we have linked up at coasttocoastam.com for us. Lena, you think nightmares are good for people. How come? Well, because we humans, on a conscious level, we just hate looking at stuff that's bugging us. So we lie, we deny, we avoid, and we sweep. And I call it welcome to the human race, because that's just the function. It's just the way we all function. But your unconscious never lies to you. So whatever it is that you're holding in and not talking about during the day, your unconscious is going to help create that balance. And so the, the nightmare is the overreaction to something in your waking life that you are underreacting to. It sort of yells it, yells it at you and then increases your chances of bringing it forward because we really are self-regulating organisms. And if I was going to give you a physiological example, I would say to you that if you have to pee, you can hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, but at a certain point, hello, you're going to have to go to the, to the washroom. And your feelings are the same. If somebody hurts your feelings or something is bugging you, you can also hold it in, hold it in, and hold it in. But your unconscious is going to give you a nightmare. And it's going to create that balance. And simultaneously, 
grab your attention because it wants you to talk about it. The unconscious always has the same goal. It wants you to take the interior discussion called the dream, and it wants you to bring that discussion out to waking life because as soon as you bring it out to waking life, that means it's called brainstorming. So if I have some issue that I'm keeping to myself, but I end up coming out with it and I talk to you about it, for example, you're going to give me another opinion. You're going to mm-hmm. give me another idea. And so that's what the unconscious wants. It wants you to bring it out. I actually have a great example, two fabulous examples of repetition in a dream. And it fits perfectly the question you just asked me. Okay. 20 years ago, when my first book came out, um, I'm more a radio girl. I love the radio like we are now, because here I am in my pajamas. <laughs> but And there's so many people listening. But I'm sitting here at my desk in my pajamas with a coffee. So I love the anonymity of radio, and I'm very comfortable and accustomed to it. But after my book was published, I was invited to be on Good Day New York. And that would have been, that was going to be my first time on TV. Was I nervous? I was a wreck. Was I talking about it? No, I was not. So one night I went to sleep close to the time I was supposed to go to New York, and I dreamed about a ghost. In my database, what does that mean? It means I'm scared. Later on in the night, I dreamed that I was standing on the abyss of a cliff. What does that mean? It means I'm scared. And in the morning, I dreamed about my grade five teacher. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. So I'm saying I'm scared to myself three different ways all in the same night, using three completely different images. And that's because my unconscious, I call it hitting me over the head with a plastic baseball bat, it's trying to get me to realize that I'm scared and talk about it during the day to my kids, to my husband, so that I could start feeling more calm about going to New York. And I'll just finish by saying that uh, a couple of days ago, I uh, spoke with a 15-year-old young girl who told me a dream, and and it was supposedly a long dream, but I took out seven points from the dream that when you deconstruct the images, she was just repeating... I'm confused to herself seven times. She said, I'm confused without saying it. I mean, like in one scene, she said she was with an old teacher appearing at her current school where she doesn't work. So that confused her. Later on in the dream, she said, traffic was so full, but the streets were empty. So she's confused. Then She says that she's needing a phone to contact her parents, but her teacher doesn't offer her the phone. And that confused her. And then there were two boys appearing who she said she hadn't seen in over six months. And then she said, I'm so confused why I'm on a beach. 
So, and then she was walking into the house of a friend's mom uh, who was with her dad, but her father doesn't live there anymore. They're divorced. And finally, she finished describing this very long dream by saying that a spinning plane landed, and I'm quoting her, she said, I was confused that it fits so perfectly into the front yard, this spinning plane. So the person is saying, I'm confused, seven different ways, seven times inside the same dream. And of course, my question was, what is going on in your life? this week that has you feeling confused and it was because there's a young man that she's attracted to and he started to date her and all of a sudden ghosted her hmm. and that is what she's confused about why somebody was so very present in her life and disappeared like and she has no idea why do dreams, Lainey, she's spinning. <laughs> do, do dreams work in remarkably strange ways? But when you understand the language, like this is a perfect example. If you don't understand dream analysis and you hear this person, you know, recount a dream that has these seven different things that, oh, my goodness, one thing has nothing to do with the other. That's why, and that's what I do, is I deconstruct the images, and I often think to myself, what is this person actually saying? If you take it all away, what, what is she really saying? And that's how I got to that she's saying she's confused in this scenario, this scenario, and this scenario. And that's what made me ask her. It was the repetition, point of entry, that got me to ask her about her confusion. Will a dream ultimately solve your problem? It does. It's so amazing. It really it is. Does. Yeah, because in this dream, for example, she doesn't want to be confused, and so stop being that spinning plane. You know, <laughs> her confusion was all centered around someone else's action. It was not centered around the dreamer's action. And very often, you're, you know, we, all the parts of the dream represent the different parts of us. I'm just going to very quickly go deeper. And on a deeper level, when we arrive in the world, we arrive with so much potential. We have a plethora of potential. We can be shy. We can be assertive, a hero, a chicken, selfish. We could be giving. We can be a comedian. We can be serious. Maybe you're an initiator who's always inviting people somewhere. Maybe you're the person who's always on the receiving end of the phone call. So we have all this different possibilities, and, I, and they are they are possibilities of how you want to respond to the people and situations in your life. And so likewise, you are all the parts of the dream. I mean, you're the director, you're the producer, you wrote the script. And so usually the ego, yourself, 
you take the part in the dream that you feel the most connected to. In this case, this girl took the part of the person who's confused. She takes the part of the victim. But the part of her that's as strong as a plane appears in the dream. So all these different parts of yourself appear as different people, places, and things in your dream. And sometimes the solution to the dream is to tap in to an unfamiliar, Jung would have called it your shadows, to tap into this under-exercised, shadowy part of yourself that you might need. Like this girl, this 16-year-old, she reminds me of another victim dreamer I know who is very connected to her victimhood, and she dreams that she's being chased by a rhinoceros. And when I asked her, tell me, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind about a rhinoceros? She said, it's powerful. And I was saying, like Stephen LaBerge would say, in a lucid dream, maybe you want to let that rhinoceros catch you. Instead of being chased by it, it's, being, it's the, part of, the powerful part of you that is trying to reach you. And maybe you want to let that part of yourself be caught. I'm going to tell you a dream that I've mentioned before that happened to me. It was a recurring dream. I went to the University of Detroit, Laney, and got my degree in broadcasting. And I needed 128 credit hours to get my four-year broadcaster's Bachelor of Arts degree. And I did it. But in my, through my second year of college, I got an offer to work part-time at a television station, a commercial station, an ABC-owned station in Detroit. But I had to change all my classes from daytime to nighttime in order to accommodate the TV station. They wanted me to work most of my hours during the daytime. So I did that. And I told my dad about it, and he got really upset because he didn't think I was going to get my degree in four years, and I promised him I would. But I did. I, 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 I worked full-time during the day, got my college degree at night. I did it, in wow. four, did it in four years and everything. Now this is where the dream starts. I kept having this recurring nightmare dream that I was one credit hour short of getting my degree. And I would dream about this and wake up. Dream about this and wake up. Dream about this and wake up. And it went on and on and on for months. I finally... That inspired you to finish. Well, well, I had already finished. This is after the fact. Oh, this is after. This is after the fact. So what I did, you know, and it worked, is I got my degree, my college diploma, and I put it by the edge of my bed. And every time I would have this dream, I would wake up, and then look over and see my college degree and realize, I did it. It's only a dream. It eventually went away. So my question is, what did I do that was right to make that nightmare go away? I love it. Well, you, you shifted the action in the dream. It's like uh, it's uh, Carl Jung's active imagination. And I often say to people, like, if you... Um, 
go downtown because you want to buy a pair of shoes, but while you're there, you see a, a pair of pants that you like, and you end up buying the pair of pants. It's simple. It's called changing your mind. And when you change a dream, you also change your mind. And that's what you did, George. You, it was so clever, and you, you dispersed that dream. Um, but I just want to add that if you're dreaming you're shy a credit, probably you may have had a dream like that during a week where there was some other situation that you normally feel confident about that wasn't working out the way you thought. So you, you, like, you, you lose a credit, you know? It's like I often say I have uh, four really lovely daughters, and so, uh, you know, I've been being a mother for 50 years. I would consider myself in a metaphoric way that I have my degree in motherhood. But, you know, sometimes things happen with the kids, and even though I've been at this for 50 years, I don't always have the answer. And that's an evening where I might dream that I'm shy one mm-hmm. credit. But I love what you did because it's a gorgeous example of Jung's um, uh, active imagination. You finished the, the, you finished the dream by leaving your degree there. I love it. And after a couple times of waking up and looking at the degree, it went away. It went away. Yeah, I love it. It's just incredible. Great example. Why do some people dream of people that have passed on, loved ones, family members? That's um, a great example of a symbol's point of entry. And as I had said earlier, symbols are people, places, and things. And the way you get there is by asking yourself, and even take a pen and paper, ask yourself, what are the first two or three things that come to my mind when I think about that person, place, or thing? I have also a dream that I'm positive I've told you in the past, that because the house that I was brought up in, I wasn't allowed to speak up for myself. It was considered to be disrespectful if I spoke out. And so I learned to become under-exercised in speaking up and over-exercised in shutting up. So my shadow is, is a part of myself that knows how to express myself. And one night, Andy, I don't want to say that Andy and I had an argument, because that's not true. Andy had an argument, <laughs> and he was yelling at me. And what was I doing? Nothing. I'm standing there like I'm a kid, and I'm not using my voice. And that night, I went to sleep, and I dreamed about an aunt of mine who at the time was already gone, 15 years she had Mm -hmm. passed on. But when I asked myself, using the symbols, what are the first two or three things that come to my mind about her, I would give you the same answer today. She had the biggest mouth of anybody I ever met. She was the most assertive person. And so I dreamed about her because I needed to access my ability to speak up for myself. And so 
I am never here to say to people that change is easy. And I am always here to say to everybody that change is possible. Lainey, we're going to take a break and come back and chat more with you and take phone calls next hour on Coast to Coast AM.